All right, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 and 2 Corinthians 5 today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just love you. We worship you. We thank you for your presence now in this place, for this opportunity we have to preach your word. Thank you for your faithfulness toward us. And, and we ask you now to give us the word for the hour, the message for today. Lord, utterance in the spirit to speak your word boldly as it ought to be spoken. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 1 verse 17 reads this way, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Say that with me. The just shall live by faith. Who, who are the who are the just? Who, who are the, uh, and that's, that's short for justified. Who are the justified ones? I mean, no, that's anyone who's in Christ. Anyone who has received the Lord Jesus for their justification. Uh, one way to remember that it has been helpful to me is when a person is justified, it is, it, it is just as if I'd never sinned. Right? And so uh, the person who is to live by faith is the person who has, by God's grace, been justified, been made right, been made righteous. You are either right with God today or you're not right with God. You're either going to heaven or you're not, right? You're either saved or you're not. It's not a kind of. There's no kind of saved, kind of right with God. I'm kind of in the middle there somewhere. No, you've either been justified, it's been done to you, by your acceptance of the gift, or you're not, okay? But in this day in which there are millions and millions of people who are justified, we need to understand how the just are supposed to live because it's not the way we used to live. That's why it's saying the just live this way. Those who've come into a new relationship with God, who've been justified by His grace, they have a new approach to life, a new way to live, and that is by faith, not by sight. In other words, uh, we live based upon the revealed Word of God, not on the physical circumstances or our five physical senses around us, okay? And so this is how we live. I don't know how everyone else lives, but the just ones, we're to live by faith, by faith, okay? Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Anybody know that one yet? It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Say it with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, that shows the contrast. We used to live by sight. In other words, just completely in touch with and identifying with the physical world. But now we identify with something unseen. Okay, now we live our lives based on the resources of an unseen realm. Okay, the NIV says we live by faith and not by sight. And then the NLT says it this way, for we live by believing and not by seeing. So again, two different ways of life, two different ways of living. One was the way I was to live before I was justified while I was still uh, living a flesh life, so to speak, just a natural life. But now that I've been justified, I live out of a higher um, calling, out of a higher realm. I live off of the resources of God, and they are only accessed by faith. All right? You can't just go there and get them. 
You don't, you don't back physically, you know, back your truck up and get all of the stuff that God has provided for you. No, only by faith do they become a reality and a manifestation in your life. So, let's continue today. We've been in this series called Living by Faith, and we want to go a little bit further. You know, the Bible tells us in, in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, it, it says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, what's the answer to that? You know, one of the key principles to us walking with God by faith is that we come into agreement with God. All right. If ever two people are going to perpetually be together, walk together, how many know there must be agreements? All right. If, if, you, if you and I are friends and every time I say something, you disagree, Every time you say something I disagree, how many know we're not going to hang out for very long? It's like, man, could I ever say anything that you agree with? <laughs> and, uh, you know, how many know in marriage, if you don't have agreement, you have a rough situation? You do. You've got to have people walking together in agreement. Is that true with the Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We must. If I don't agree with God, I can't walk with God. Now think about it for a moment. Let's go back to the marriage because we can. A lot of us can relate to that. Some of you take notes. If uh, yeah, I mean, if that's in your future somewhere, Carl. <laughs> uh, if two people cannot walk together unless they agree, think about this: there are not two people on the planet that agree on everything. So how can they walk together? How can they walk together if they don't agree? They can't, and yet they don't agree, so they can't walk together. So how do they do it? Here's what they do. If they don't agree, they agree. And the same thing's true with the Lord. If I don't agree, I must, watch, agree. It's be, now, here's what I'm saying. It's because the word agree can mean different things. I can agree with or I can agree to. If, if, if my wife and I don't agree with each other on something, we still must agree to something. You know, in any church, in any organization, in the government, in business, in, in, in marriage, and in the kingdom of God at large, there's something called submission and authority. It's a principle that is necessary to keep things from being a stalemate. <laughs> to keep things moving forward, there must come a point when not everyone sees eye to eye that there is agreement on a course of action. And ultimately, some person has to be given a, a higher um, position in ranking in order for that to take place, right? And when it comes to the kingdom of God, um, ideally, we see eye to eye. Everything God says and is and, and does, I see it, and I agree with it. I mean, if I were in one room and he were in the other room and you asked us the same question, we'd come up with the same answer. That'd be great. But you know what? He's always right, 
And I don't always see things 100% correctly like he does and like things are. So what must I do? I must agree to go with him. That means whether I can fully grasp it or not, whether I can fully explain it or not, if God said it, I agree that he's right. I agree to do what he said. I agree to make his word supreme in my life. If my circumstances are screaming out at me, no, 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 it, that's not right. How's that going to work? I'm just going to go with God. I agree to go with him. I agree to stand on his word. I agree to make his word final authority in my life. This is a faith life. This is necessary for us to walk by faith. Okay? Amen. This goes back to choice, doesn't it? You choose to agree with God's plan or you choose not to. If I disagree, if I disagree with the Lord, how many know that's kind of like saying I'm different than him? I, I differ with him. Anybody remember where that word comes from? That's a similar word to the word doubt. That's a similar word to wavering. To be, I don't ever want to be different than God. I don't want to take a different position than God takes concerning my life or anything in my life. I must choose to take the same position. And again, I purpose, purposely uh, choose to agree with, him, with God. All right. Agreement is necessary. I must be on the same page with him. You know, in one sense, you could say that walking by faith is, a, is an act of humility. It's an act of submission. When a person, when a believer makes a bold statement and says, I will, I shall, I have, I can do, and they finish the sentence with the, with the promises of God. How many know that's a, it might come across to some as, wow, you sure seem, you know, full of it, arrogant. You sure seem full of like, but in reality, they are submitting their life to God's word. We're not saying, I'm going to do it because... Of me, this is my word, my plan. No, I submit. How, how many would be willing to submit to healing? <laughs> See, this is the good part about this. All of God's plan is good. All of his ways are right and desirable. Would you be willing to submit to the blessing of God on your life? That makes everything you touch prosper. <laughs> I'd be willing to submit to that. So what if I don't see it? I don't understand how that would happen. I know, but will you submit and just say, Lord, I'm going to go with you. I agree to do that anyway. I agree to receive that in my life anyway. Necessary. Vital to our success. Vital to our faith life. Okay? We submit to the will of God. When it comes to this whole subject of living by faith, it is really difficult to go very far without getting into this topic now, where we talk about the words that come out of our mouth. Not only must I agree in principle, agree in a commitment way. I, co I commit to you, Lord. I agree, to, I agree that you're right. But I, um, I must agree verbally. I must agree as an expression. You see, faith is always endeavoring to get out. <laughs> 
if you truly have a firm conviction, a belief inside of you, it will try to manifest. It's going to try to get you to act a certain way. It will try to get you to say certain things. Someone said, I haven't told anyone what I believe in years. You don't believe much. You don't. You are wishy-washy, mamby-pamby. You don't have many, many firm beliefs and convictions in your life. Faith is trying to get out. It, It will try to manifest through your life. Okay? God designed it this way. It's not functional when it's just resident inside of us and it's just idle. It must be activated. It must be turned loose. Um, It's looking for an expression. It wants to get out into the physical world. Now, uh, there's a word in the Bible that we want to talk about today. It's the word confession. Okay? Confession is a word that is directly tied to the faith life. You can't have the faith life without this, this aspect of it. All right? Confession... Biblically speaking, now, if depending on some of you have a religious background where you went into the little confessional and you told a priest your sins, that's not what we're talking about, okay? In case you go that way when you hear that word and you think, okay, I know what that is. No, no, you don't know what that is, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the biblical concept of confession. It means simply to acknowledge When I confess Jesus as Lord of my life, I acknowledge his place, what he's done, who he is to me. I acknowledge that verbally, okay? The word is actually a compound word from two Greek Greek words, the word homo and the word um, logeo, homo logeo or logos, okay? Uh, Basically means this. You know what the word homo means. It means same, all right, it's usually attached to other words. Um, homo means same, and then logos or logeo is a, a word that means a concept that's spoken. It, it, it means a word. Um, it means to say something. Basically, if we put those together, when we say confession, it doesn't just mean to say something. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. In our case, if we confess the word of God, we are saying that we are saying the same thing as God. What are we doing? We're coming into agreement with God. We're making what his word is, um, we're making that our word. Okay? I'm saying the same thing as God. Let's look at a couple scriptures here in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4 and verse 14, 414. It says, uh, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Say that last part with me. Let us hold fast our confession. What are we supposed to do with our confession? Hold fast our confession. Let's look at uh, chapter 10, Hebrews 10, verse 23, 10:23. It says here something similar. Let us hold fast 
the confession of our hope without wavering. Remember that word wavering? Doubt, wavering, differing, going back and forth. For he who promised is faithful. Notice the reason that we are to hold fast to our confession is because the promiser is faithful. What does that mean? When the Bible says that God is faithful, that means that we can, we can count on Him. It means that He's not flaky. He's not up one day and down the next. He's not in a good mood and then He's in a bad mood. Hmm. He's faithful to what He said. It means you can count on Him. He's not like a lot of people, but He remains the same. If he said it one day, it's true 10 years from then. If he says it today, it's true a million years from now. Because it comes out of his mouth, he will always be consistent and faithful to that word. That's the reason he said we should hold fast to our confession. He, we should hold fast to saying the same thing. Why? Because God doesn't change. We're not supposed to change. He's going to continually say the same thing, so we should continually say the same thing. Why would we say something different when God doesn't change? The reason is, is because people are basing their verbiage off of what they see. They're letting things that enter their eye and let her enter their ear from this physical world come out their mouth, and it ends up being something different it ends up being doubt, ends up being different than what God has said. What happens if God says something really good about us and we say something really bad about us? <laughs> you know what? We get what we say. Oh, yeah, God will not override your words. No, you'll get exactly what you say. That's why he instructs us. Hold fast to that confession. See, we are always going to be tempted to say something different than what God says. We'll be tempted to go crosswise to what he said. Why would we be tempted? Well, you remember Revelation 12? It says that, talking about the accuser of the brethren, who was Satan or the devil, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Do you know that our words are key to overcoming the devil? That when I say the right thing, I overcome. I have victory. I have success in my life. I get what God has promised me. But what happens if I say the opposite? That's how Satan wins. That's how the accuser of the brethren takes a, a control in a person's life. You see, he wants to rob you blind of your health and your wealth and your joy and your peace and your relationships and everything you have. He wants to rip you off. But how many know he can't? I mean, if he could, he would. Every one of us would be at zero all of our days. We would have nothing. He hates our guts, wants to clean our clocks and take us out early. But he can't do it without permission. How does he get permission? He gets me to disagree with God. If I'll disagree with God, then he's got a right to come in and take things away. Let's, let, let me borrow the, the, uh, the rope here. 
I asked for a rope last night. Nobody had a rope. <laughs> Imagine in a whole church, not one person comes with a rope. So I've got, I've got a scarf here today I'm going to use. <laughs> uh, Pastor Mickey, could you help me out here? <laughs> looking, look, looking good. All right. Let's just say that I had this this scarf, and uh, Pastor Mickey wanted the scarf, um, but I wasn't willing to give him the scarf. But he was determined to get the scarf. Uh, how would he do that? He would probably just have to try to. He, he he would grab it, okay. And if if I wanted it and he wanted it, and basically I would hold on to it, he would hold on to it. We would apply force to try to get the scarf. And since we were both at a kind of a stalemate as to who's going to get the scarf, we would probably go into adding other distractions. Either I would try to convince him to let go. If I could get him to let go, then I have it, or vice versa. If I can't convince him, you know, maybe we get more physical with it. <laughs> Ready? <sighs> uh. <laughs> In other words, basically, maybe through exhaustion or through some other strategy, eventually one of us has to let go for the other person to get it. If, we, if neither of us ever let go, neither of us ever have it completely, right? Okay, now, spiritually speaking, with the resources of God, all His provision, it's not physical, so we're not going to have a physical wrestling match. It's spiritual, but it works the same way. It's interesting, this word here, trans, uh, this word hold fast, it means to use strength, to seize or retain, okay? Same way that I receive my salvation is the way that I retain the blessings of God, right? Now, I didn't just think it. How many th thought your way into heaven? <laughs> you thought your way into relationship with God. You, I mean... <laughs> Have you ever come by someone one day and, and they're in church and you can see on the look on their face, they're, they're just, and you say, what are you doing? I'm getting saved. I'm getting saved. Right? You say, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Just say this. And you can be saved like that, right? The way we receive we way we retain the way we uh, seize and retain and use strength concerning what God has promised. The way that we hold fast is through our words. Okay, just like in the the little tug of war there, the way the enemy wants to work against our lives is simply this. It's not physical. He will try. It's a battle that takes place in the mind to try to get us to say something different than God. If I will maintain my confession, that means I'm going to say the same thing on a good day, a bad day, whether I feel up, whether I feel down, whether I, uh, whatever. I'm being tempted, whether others are coming against me. I continually say the same thing. If I do that, the devil can't get anything away from me. Because the only way he can do it is by me disagreeing with God. When there's agreement with you and God... You can walk together. Amen. Oh, yeah. And you partake and you receive and you benefit from all that he has promised. 
So again, what's a primary strategy of the enemy? To mess up your mouth. Primary strategy is to get you to disagree with God verbally by saying something different than what God has said. That's what he's doing. That's what he'll continue to do. Let's go over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. Romans 10, 10. It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We see two components here that are vital. Believing with the heart and saying with the mouth. But notice that confession is made unto salvation. What if I don't say something? I don't get something. What if I don't say anything about salvation? I don't get salvation. Say, I'm, I'm more of a thinker. <laughs> well, thinking is good. We don't want you to check your brain at the door when you come to church. God gave you a brain, use it. But he also gave you a mouth to say something. And it's vital. He told us, hold fast to your confession. Why would he tell us that? Because the enemy is coming after your mouth. He's coming after you and I to get us to say something different than what God has said. The moment we say it, the differing thing now, is the moment we let go of what God has said, but that I retain and hold on and continue to grasp what God has provided me by saying the same thing that God says. Whenever I'm faced with a challenge, I say the word. I'm faced with opposition. I'm faced with a thought that says something contrary to God. I say the word. By doing that, I retain and I'm able to walk in God's blessings all my days. Notice here again, confession is made unto salvation. Kind of a side note here. You know, the, the word salvation doesn't just mean go to heaven. Doesn't just mean even forgiveness of sins. If, you, if you'll study that out, salvation that's been given to us by the Lord includes our healing, includes our prosperity, includes our peace, includes our well-being. It, it, it includes the overall scope of our lives and what we need. So that means that I am able to receive all the things that I need in my life by agreeing with God. Oh, yeah. It, does it affect my physical health? Absolutely. How? I need to say what God says about me. I find the Word, and I say the same thing. Find the Scripture, and I say the same thing. How many know our lives are not just about what other people say about us? Your life is not the sum total of what everyone else has said about you. But it is. But my life is a reflection of what I say about me. What are you saying about yourself? I didn't say what are you thinking about yourself. Thoughts are important, but we're talking about your, the words of your mouth now. Okay, we see here confession or saying the same thing as God basically can do two things. One, it has an effect on our heart. Whenever you say something, it influences your believer on the inside. It influences your heart. If your heart were, say, and I'm not, again, we're not talking about the physical heart, although that would then apply. Uh, but if your heart, let's say it were round um, and it needed to be square, well, how do you make it square? 
you keep saying square words <laughs> until your heart came into the right shape. Does that make sense? It's like sometimes we go out to eat and we go out to eat at Five Guys and your burger comes in a tin foil. And it, whenever we're done with our tin foil, roll that up in a ball and then we pound it into a square. <laughs> just because it's fun and we can do that. You don't have to ask permission or anything. You can just do it. <laughs> but you can shape that thing however you want. You can shape your heart's belief system however you want. People, can, people have made their heart believe weird things. They're kind of kooky. But we can make our heart believe just like God. How? Every time I say, my heart hears and it is adjusting. It is a shapeshifter. It is molding itself into the image of God or the image of something else that I keep telling it. Yeah. We can't act like what we say doesn't matter. I can just disagree with the word and say what I see and feel, and it's not going to have any effect on me. It has a huge effect. But the other side is not only that, but remember, it is unto salvation, so it actually produces change. When a person is attacked with junk and stuff in this world, you know one way to deal with it is you simply hit it with your words. You hit it again and again. You hit it. You hit it. Well, how do I hit it? I say what God says about it. Amen. I say it, and I hit it, and I hit it. I find a word. I find a scripture. I find a promise, and I hit it. I just keep saying it, and I hit that thing, and I hit that thing, and I hit I'm shaping my heart to, to, be, a, to be in agreement with God. And I'm also hitting the problem. Oh, it's a powerful tool that God gave us. It's the way that he lives. God speaks and things happen. And he taught us to do the same. We have biblical record. You can kill a tree with your words. Absolutely you can. You think you could, th you think you could kill a body with your words. People are doing it, man. They're hurting themselves. They're, uh, we need to learn, learn to uh, begin to agree with life and not agree with death. But we're given a choice all of our days. We have a thought, and we have God's Word. Which one, which one are we going to uh, give voice to? Which one are we going to let come out uh, of our lips? There ought, to be, um, there ought to be some things in life that we just refuse to say. Some phrases, some terminology that we make a personal, personal decision and say, you know what, that's off limits for me. I'm not going to give that the credibility that it wants. I'm going to just refuse to say certain things. I'm not talking necessarily about, uh, you know, cussing. You know, people get saved, and hopefully there's some words you used to say, but you don't say them anymore. That's wisdom. It's godly. Uh, but I'm talking even just speaking everything we see. You see, if I, if I just say everything I feel... I say everything I see. How could that really be called uh, living the life of faith? It's not. That's living by sight. If I, just, if I feel a pain, I say, I'm sick. What is that? It's just living by sight. A lot of people do that. They don't, they don't know any better. They don't know that their words are shaping their belief system. They don't know that their words are having a, a pounding effect for the good or the bad upon their life. But that is living by sight, right? Right? Because that's what I see and feel. 
And I've learned just to not say things. Sometimes I'll tell people, I say, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I just can't help it. I'm not trying to be a confession monitor, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No. In fact, I guess my son picked up on that. Because <laughs> I'll tell them that because I have a right and a responsibility to teach my kids uh, what to say and what not to say. And uh, he was talking on the phone with one of his friends. And, uh, and they were telling him how sick they were. They, they were telling him how sick they, they were. And he said, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> and he proceeded to give him a little faith lesson. He's 10. <laughs> and uh, and uh, his friend said, his friend told him, I think you should be a pastor. <laughs> and I thought, cool, I, teach, I want to teach these kids to resist stuff that's not in that, it's not in there, that we've got a promise to overcome it with. Amen. But our words will do something to us. So we've got to watch what we say. I, I remember years ago, a few years ago, we were having a healing meeting, and a couple came from out of town, um, and they brought their young child with them. Their child was having problems with um, the growth in its skull, in its head. Some of you might even remember this, uh, this, this situation been here in the testimony. But... Uh, I don't remember all the details, but the head was not growing right. It wasn't the right size, and, and, and some things weren't correct there. And we ministered to the, to, to the child, and, and it was in my heart to say to them as well that when you leave here and you're holding your child and taking care of your child, say this. Say, I call this head and this skull perfect. When you're holding that child, call it normal. Call it right. Call it perfect say how do you do that you just say I call this perfect I call this head perfect and of course they were going to their appointments with the doctor and they do their measurements at one but a short time we got a, we got a testimony back uh, everything was right the child's skull had shaped right and uh, had, had had started to grow normally and it was the right size again and everything was good praise God Things in this physical world are designed to respond to a voice of faith. When I believe something and I let that escape my lips, I'm talking about confession now, saying what God has said. It will change physical realities. Praise God. And so, let's not, again, let's, let's not agree with death. Uh, years ago, I would, if I, if I were hurting, first place it'd come out was my mouth. If I got hurt, it was, ah, man, oh, my hand is killing me. You know, just, just language like that, just basically. Now, I mean, you can't throw stones, really, because I'm just walking in the flesh. That's how people learn to live. But what I hadn't learned is how to walk by faith. And so what I needed to learn and did, thank you, Lord, was to learn to not give voice to some things and do give voice to other things. So every, you know, if I just, if I have a pain or attack or a tempta temptation, I don't let it out my mouth. I don't mean I wouldn't say, ow, if I got, you know, knocked upside the head. But I'm not going to go through the day saying, oh, I hurt. Oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. What am I doing? I'm shaping my heart into hurts. I'm magnetizing it for hurt. To come to me when I can do the opposite by not agreeing. See, we need to be disciplined and we need to 
train ourselves as to what we let come out of our mouths and what we don't. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, if, if you are a, I don't know if anyone has been a, 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 like a boxer or some type of professional or, you know, or amateur fi- uh, fighting, uh, not talking on the street, but, you know, how many know if, if you're boxing and you get hit, they, they get a good shot on you, they knock you in the, in the nose or something, you don't stop and go, oh, 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 that hurt, oh, man, oh, don't do that again. What, what, what do you want them to think? You want them to think that that didn't even hurt. That, that was nothing. That's the best you got? What are you going to do? Does it hurt? Yes. Do you want to vocalize or, you know, let that be outward? You're going to do everything in your power to make everyone believe it didn't hurt. And that's just boxing. That's a good strategy against your enemy. What about when we're tempted and things come against us, come against your finances or your family, you're tempted in different ways and uh, struggles come. What do you do? Here's a good strategy. Keep your hands up. Thank you, Lord. Act like it was nothing. Act like it didn't even hurt. What are we talking about? Keep saying the same thing. God hasn't changed because that changed. It didn't knock God off the throne because you got blindsided in this world and you didn't know where this attack came from. God knew it was coming, and he's still faithful. If he's still faithful, we should still be faithful to confess or say the same thing that God says. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And so faith doesn't get frustrated. Faith doesn't get discouraged. Faith doesn't get down. Faith continually believes what God has said. And we continue to say the same thing. Praise God. I like to find examples of things. You know, like you're reading the Bible, you hear a scripture. Make it a point to get it in your mouth. It'll help you. You know, like I was reading in Matthew 21, 22, where Jesus said, And whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Well, I just agree with that. What do you mean you agree with that? That means I submit to it. I agree to it. So what do I say? Oh, I get everything I pray for. Amen. Everything. Well, that sounds kind of pretty arrogant. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just agreeing with God. I didn't make that up. I get everything I pray for. Everything. You know, it is the easiest thing in the world to, to be healed of sickness and disease. Easy. Easy, simple. Easy. Easy. I mean, to get financially blessed is the easiest thing that we ever deal with. Say, which one's easiest? I can't tell. It's just simple. I mean, to walk in joy every day of our lives and to resist down days and feelings of depression, man, that's the easiest thing in the world. Everybody understand what I'm doing here? What do you say about you? What do you say about how you deal with these situations and circumstances in your life? Are we voicing our feelings, the physical stuff, or are we giving voice to God's Word? Because whichever one we give voice to, 
will determine our direction and which one, which way that we're going to go. <laughs> oh, I'm getting happy now. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world to walk with God and live righteous. Oh, yeah. Easiest thing in the world to overcome because he's doing it in me and I just overcome. Yes. Praise God. Yes. What have you been struggling with? Start saying the opposite. Amen. Find a word from God and let it be in your mouth. Amen. So I just can't put up with that woman. Man. <laughs> Start saying, man, it's the easiest thing in the world to walk in love. To be patient and kind and enduring and, and to treat people right. It, I mean, it's just easy. It's my nature. That's true. If you're saved, that's true. Why don't we agree with it? We're putting ourselves at odds with God by saying the opposite. And therefore, basically, uh, you know, pushing away his power. But let's hold fast. What do you say? Hold fast to our confession. Keep saying the same thing that God says all of our days. And we will walk in the provision of God, the victory of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you today for your, your help. You're enab enabling us to, uh, to stand, to walk in victory. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. Praise God. You're helping us, Lord. Help us. Remind us as we go through our days, as we say things that we shouldn't say. We give voice to things that are contrary to you. Lord, we receive your mercy and forgiveness. And thank you, Lord, that you help us now to not only believe right and think right, to say right to say those things that you say. Thank you for helping us, Lord. You're faithful to us now. Praise God, you're faithful to us. We give you all the glory, all the honor for every good thing. Thank you, Lord, for working in us today. In Jesus' mighty name, praise God, amen, amen. The Lord is good. Let's say this out loud, I'm coming up. I'm not going down. I walk in the blessing of God every day of my life. I can't help myself. <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. God's word is true. His promises are coming to pass in my life. It's easy. It's not a struggle. It's easy to walk with God, to obey Him, to live for Him, and to receive from Him. Amen. How many think God intended for this to be hard? And if you're going to walk with me, it's going to be hard. And I promise you stuff, but it's really hard to get. No, he couldn't have. Couldn't have. Couldn't have. He gave us a gift so we could receive it. Amen. It's like, it's like at Christmas. Parents, you give your kids gifts, but you hide them up in the attic. You say, well, I got you a present, but I'm not telling you where it's at. <laughs> We did get it, though, for you. It's a free, and it's free. It's gift. We love you. Be blessed. And then they never find it. <laughs> Ten years later. Uh, uh, Dad, I don't really want G.I. Joe anymore. <laughs> Found it up in the attic. <laughs> Amen.